This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello and welcome to AgriFutures On Air. I'm Jane Cudahy. The AgriFutures Rural Women's Award provides a platform to showcase projects which will have a positive impact on Australian rural communities and industries. With seven national finalists, the 2022 cohort are involved in everything from food security and health services for some of Australia's most vulnerable to helping people access fitness programs and communication initiatives highlighting the impact of rural women. The Rural Women's Award is one of many AgriFutures Australia initiatives ensuring our rural industries prosper now and into the future. And we need to thank Westpac, the platinum sponsor of the award, who provides a $15,000 grant to each finalist for their project, business or program, access to professional development opportunities and alumni networks. In this episode, we're hearing from Stephanie Trethewey. Stephanie is on a mission to eliminate the crippling isolation that can accompany rural motherhood. The Motherland podcast was born out of Steph's move from Melbourne to a small farming community in Tasmania's northwest. She was confronted firsthand with the isolation that rural mums can feel. Sharing the authentic stories of mums on the land, motherhood struck a nerve with women for its raw, unfiltered representation of motherhood. I grew up in Sydney um, and I'm an only child. I'm half Polish, so my mum's Polish and she met my dad after she moved to Australia 40-odd years ago. Um, I actually... Yeah, I actually spent a um, couple of years as a professional tennis player in my teen years. So I left school um, <laughs> left school in year 10 and homeschooled myself for year 11 and 12 while I toured. Oh, um, I didn't then, know that about you. That's a yeah. fun fact. Oh, wow. Do I you, don't talk about it that much, but yeah. That's, do you still that's play tennis? Uh, I haven't picked up a racket in like six or seven years. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty hard to access uh, social tennis around here, <laughs> Jane, but um, maybe maybe again one day. Well, well, you know, it's Tasmania, so maybe squash courts or something similar-ish that are indoors might be yeah. <laughs> might be more your option. So, you, uh, you know, that's that's pretty committed anyway to, to be on that kind of level and, and homeschooling yourself too. So what struck you about a, a career in journalism following that? Yeah, so due to, I suppose, a couple of injuries, mainly with my back, um, I was 18, kind of weighing up my options in retirement, which sounds hilarious at 18, but I actually um, you know, got my WTA, WTA ranking when I was 15 or 16. So anyway, I actually decided to um, head to the US, so I got a full scholarship to attend uh California State University in Long Beach on a tennis scholarship. So I headed over there and obviously part of a college scholarship, you've got to study something. And I'd grown up, you know, mum and dad always had the paper on the weekends. I'd always, you know, watching 60 Minutes on a Sunday night was like my little treat for the week. And I, I just really loved news. And I didn't know what else to study except for journalism because I literally had no other skills or interests apart from tennis. So um, I thought, let's give journalism a crack. So I did a year of journalism uh, in America, and then I transferred and finished my degree at UTS in Sydney. I sort of had had enough of tennis, and I realised that you know this was going to be my future, and that it was going to be a more you know a lengthy career in journalism, in communications, than uh, out on a tennis court. So yeah, made the transition and, and kicked off my TV career in Sydney. In TV, that's a, that's a whole different market to crack as well. So, did you did you enjoy journalism? Like it sounded like something that you sort of picked picked up because it was there and and accessible but you know did you really enjoy it yeah I fell in love with storytelling and the way that visual images and 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 seeing people seeing their emotion hearing their voices 
I fell in love with that. And yeah, I really, I really thrived. I mean, you know, for a number of different shows, you know, everything from the six o'clock news, um, the Today Show, um, and then a current affair towards the end of my career. And I, I was that, I loved, I thrived chasing people down the street. I was that journalist, um, you know, chasing people down the street with a cameraman. Um, you know, I've done some pretty horrific stories and, and been in some pretty confronting situations. I've, you know, um, chased convicted terrorists down the street, domestic violence perpetrators, accused murderers. I've also done some lovely stories too. And yeah, I really thrived. I, I thrived off that adrenaline rush and that high pressure situation. Absolutely. Yes. And that is definitely not something for the faint hearted. But then <laughs> uh, you met Sam. So how did you meet Sam and find your way to a farm in Northern Tasmania? Yeah, so I was working up in central Queensland um, for Channel 7 and I was based in Rockhampton at the time as bureau chief and reporter and I, it was a really slow news day and I'm sure, Jane, you've been around some of those. There were no <laughs> no car accidents, no politicians in town, no crimes committed. It was like pretty slow going and rocky and I thought, oh, my God, what am I putting to, to, to air tonight? That was my responsibility to fill the half an hour bulletin with our other junior reporters and and so don't, I went along feed, to... don't feed grapes to dogs, those kind of stories yeah. <laughs> that start coming up in those days. <laughs> I know, and I was really desperate. So I went along to this agriculture um, conference that was on Rocky being, you know, arguably the beef capital. There's always happening, you know, stuff happening in ag. So I went along and, yeah, walked into the room. There was the usual suspects there that I kind of knew in town in the industry, but there was this young young man in a, in a suit and he was a guest speaker and it was Sam and, and you know, one of my – um, contact said, oh, you know, that's Sam Trithiri. He's been flown up from Victoria where he was farming on his dad's property at the time. And, and you know, they said, I'll interview him. And so I interviewed Sam for the six o'clock news and, and made up a um, a story about, you know, how consumers have lost touch with where their food comes from and their meat. Um, and funnily enough, here we are all those years later now running a beef business together. So yeah. that's how we met. Well, that's, so, that's a lot of fate all, all around the same time. So, City girl, only child, had this lovely um, career and I think one of my favourite videos that you've put up on Instagram is following the ute onto the spirit of Tasmania with all of your stuff <laughs> packed up on that adventure. So can you tell us about that move to, to uh, a life unknown for you? Yeah, so I suppose when I fell in love with a farmer, I didn't really know what that would mean for my future. I didn't really think about it. You know, Sam and I worked all over the country in our in our careers, and Sam was working in agribusiness, agri-politics in the city, in Brisbane and Melbourne. So our life was in the city, but you can't take the country out of the boy, and, and Sam comes from three generations of farmers in Tassie, and he really yearned to, you know, sink his teeth into his own farming operation, taking all those learnings um, you know, that he'd had in his career. And and so, you know, we started talking about, you know, would I be open, would we, would I be open to moving to Tasmania one day? And and I was like, hell yes. You know, I, I'd watched Farmer Wants a Wife. I'd watched Gourmet Farmer. Yeah, well, I yeah was, you were set. That's I was set. <laughs> All I was the like, research is, heavy research is done. Of course. And I thought, you know, I, I was done, you know, I was done with TV and I was done with corporate. And I just, you know, I just really just wanted a change. Um, you know, I wanted to do something that was more fulfilling and, um, you know, just a bit more down to earth, so to speak. And and so I, I was like, yeah, let's do farming and I can bring my storytelling and communication side um, to that world. And and so, yeah, hopped on the spirit of Tasmania, Tasmania boat and and had no idea what I was in for. You say the, the communication skills, that's what you sort of went into 
the beef business with and and that shows you know on the business that on the social media channels that that um, you and Sam have built but then it's merged in into motherland which um, you know is a completely different part of your life so can you tell us how motherland started yeah, so I suppose it started with me becoming a mum. So when we moved to Tassie, Elliot um, was six months old and, you know, motherhood hit me like a ton of bricks before we moved here. It was a really difficult transition. I struggled. He was a very, I guess, difficult baby and extreme sleep deprivation and a lot of stuff that, you know, sounds normal, but when it's your first time, you don't know what normal is. And I lost my identity and I didn't know who I was and, you know, I was definitely suffering from postnatal depression and then on top of that you know we moved to Tassie and overnight I, I lost my village I was a mu- I was a mum to a six-month-old baby a husband who was working on the farm seven days a week I had no idea how difficult farming would be let alone starting your own business so we actually started this farm from scratch Sam's family didn't have um, property here in Tassie anymore they'd since moved to the mainland so we started with nothing and Sam really it was all on him to, to build this operation from the ground up and I wasn't prepared for how he, how much he wouldn't be around, you know, I, and I just realised I couldn't just walk up the road for a coffee anymore. I had a mother's group in Melbourne. They were my my lifeline, my village. There was um, about 10 or 11 of us in that group and, and I didn't have access to a mother's group here and it was just a really lonely time in my life, Jane. I really just thought, what the hell have I done? I have made the biggest mistake of my life. I'm not cut out for this. I'm failing at, at mum life, farm life, everything. And you know, I didn't talk to Sam about it because he had enough going on and I had to, you know, there's a lot of pride there. I, you know, I'm a pretty confident person, but I lost all that confidence here. And so I remember, you know, I've talked about this moment before, but I remember when Elliot was about eight months old, nine months old, and he was crawling around, uh, crawling around me on the floor one, one day, and it was another day solo parenting. And I just thought, you know, if they say it takes a village to raise a child, then where the hell is mine? And for me, it was a real light bulb moment because I realised that I wasn't failing. It's just the environment had failed me. It wasn't set up to support me. And so I started thinking, well, how can I get that connection that I'm craving? I wanted to connect with other rural mums who understood what it was like to be me. I couldn't connect with my city friends anymore. They, they were still my friends and they still are, but they didn't understand what this life was. And I searched podcasts, I searched you know, platforms. I didn't know what I was looking for and I couldn't find what I needed. So I thought, you know, why can't I create something that basically brings my two worlds together, motherhood and my love of storytelling. And so I literally thought of the name Motherland that night and, you know, created the logo myself. I think it cost me 150 bucks or something. And and just thought, let's just start a podcast telling real and raw stories of rural motherhood. So that's where Motherland started. Yes, and uh, real and raw is certainly uh, <laughs> how you went with that. And I will we'll come back to that. I just want to go back a step. And when, you know, you said you didn't talk to Sam so much when you realised the level of isolation and what you were up for, but when you were preparing to go to Tasmania, start this farm from scratch, knowing that you wanted to have a family and everything else. What were those initial conversations like, you know, Mm. as well as the excitement? Like there's a level of excitement there, but nerves and trepidation as well. Yeah, it's a good question. No one's asked me that and it's a really good one because there was a lot of talk of spreadsheets and, you know, making plans for the beef business and and how that was going to run and the kind of product we wanted to create and and the marketing and getting the social media going and it was just it was talk of all the high level clinical. office it sounds clinical, clinical. yeah mm. it, there was no talk of you know when we get there 
I am going to be working 12, 14-hour days. When we get there, you are going to be alone with a baby most of the day. When we get there, you're not going to be able to, you know, take the pram for a walk to, and see other people. You're going to just walk around. You're going to actually have to buy a new pram, the one that has wheels that can actually withstand, you know, the muddy muddy terrain here. Like There was no talk about that. Not for anyone's fault. It just wasn't. We just didn't think about that. Sam had never been a parent before. He didn't know it was gonna, what it was going to be like for me. I didn't know it was going to be like for me. And look, Tasmania is not even that remote. Like I, 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 it makes me feel sick to my stomach to think how I would have transitioned to somewhere very remote. I think I would have struggled even more. Um, but for me, you know, three years on, Tassie's home. I don't feel isolated anymore. But you know, I've just done a complete 180 because three years ago I felt like I'd been just dropped into the middle of the Sahara Desert. That was the equivalent to me having grown up and thrived in the city. Mm, no, absolutely. And I was I was going to ask you about how you felt now, um, which I will, but probably in a little bit because we will go back to, to starting Motherland and how did you first reach out to people? So you, you're in an area that you don't really know and then it was like, right, we're going to start this podcast, we're going to create a community. Who's going to be in it? Like how are you picking people? Yeah, um, I kind of leaned on Sam for a little bit because we both had Instagram. He's since, you know, dropped off uh, social media. He doesn't have time for that. But, um, you know, we we scoured social media and he's like, oh, you know, he knew a few people in agriculture. He he knew of Chantelle McAllister, the amazing rural photographer. She was episode number one. And so I kind of just sent her a message on Instagram. And, and then, you know, there was Anna Pimenta who, you know, was living on King Island in Tasmania at the time and Sam knew of her. And so he helped me kind of connect to a couple of those early, um, mums and then I think just through the beauty and power of social media and just word of mouth and people nominating their friends and me just following lots of people online and it just kind of grew really organically. And when you say grew how big is it now because it is it's a huge it's got a huge following tell us some stats about yeah. that podcast itself. Yeah, so as of uh, logged on today to have a look, actually, but as of today, has had three hundred and seventy thousand downloads, um, wow. which is pretty exciting. So we get about twenty thousand listens a month, and you know I've interviewed almost one hundred and forty rural mums, and yeah, it just keeps growing. It's kind of gone far beyond what I thought was just a little tiny side hustle that would just keep me sane. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you marry those two careers now? The one with motherland and the one as a farmer, um, because you know you are hands on with the business too, with with marketing and in the paddock, and and I see pictures of you on tractors and and different things as well, and of course with the two kids because you've you've added to your family since that time as well. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I'm not going to lie and say that you know it's I've made it work. I mean, obviously it works, but it's utter chaos. It's it's too it's been too much at times. But you know, after I had Evie, our second baby, that's where Motherland really took on its a whole new a whole new life really for me, um, and has just grown from that. So after I had Evie. I had two under two. Um, don't recommend while no. growing growing two businesses at the same time. No, um, uh, so. no that's feeling well as well, actually. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep, you know it. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, it was bloody hard having a, a second baby in the middle of a global pandemic, no family, no village. And I realised second time round, I was still isolated. I still didn't have access to a mother's group um, and the podcast wasn't enough. So that's where the idea for Motherland Village was born and, and I've had to work that into my responsibilities with our beef business. Sam has been incredibly supportive. I think, you know, he has seen how much this has helped me and saved me and is helping others. So, you know, really 2022 is, has been about giving my all to Motherland and, and setting something up, setting an organisation that's special that can last, you know, far beyond just my capacity. It can't just be Steph, you know, running this anymore. I've, you know, I've 
I've almost hit burnout and it's time to really take it to the next level and, and you know, Motherland Village is at the centre of that. Right. So what is Motherland Village? Spell <laughs> it out for us. Yeah, so Motherland Village is Australia's first online rural mothers group program and basically it connects rural women into their own personalised support groups. So 10 rural mums max are allocated to their own mothers group, all virtual. We take them through a six-week online facilitated program. They do video calls, weekly activities, um, and really it's about turbocharging their their friendships and their bonds over those six weeks so that when the program ends that group continues on as its own independent rural mothers group and you know it's it's gone so incredibly well the demand is certainly there um and you know i'm you know this year and next year is really about scaling it to ensure that you know, no rural mum is left behind. And I also want to make something really clear is it's not a traditional mother's group, you know, in the city, like the group I was allocated to, you know, when your kid's eight eight weeks old, you're kind of all lumped into a group. And it's really about supporting mums through the baby years. And the baby years are absolutely important. Motherland Village is very focused on our zero to three group, but we actually uniquely offer mother's groups for rural mums with kids aged four to 10 and 11 to 18. And that's what makes it, I guess, that extra bit special and unique. That is, that's fantastic because there are, you know, at each stage they tell you it gets better and, you know, (laughs) terrible twos and then whatever it is, threes, but I I reckon there's challenges at every single age. I'm not, I've not yet met a parent who isn't having some kind of, of issue and if they're not lying. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, also with rural motherhood, I mean, you know, there are mums with, with teenage kids that are in boarding school. There are mums on stations who their kids have left the nest and they're going through a unique transition in their lives. They're going through the next chapter. Why can't they have a social group of other rural mums who just get it? If you're living three hours from the nearest town, you're not going to be able to go to a local mother's group and one doesn't exist for, for you once your kids are out of nappies because that's not how the system's been built. So, you know, I'm really passionate about rural mums knowing that it's your whole journey. It's not just when your kids are out of nappies that automatically you don't matter as much. In fact, probably more so because, you know, we want to be happy mums as our kids grow up into adulthood, not just, you know, when they're, in, you know, screaming and not sleeping. <laughs> that's right. Now, you know, motherland and it's the mother mother village. What about the dads? Because the, you know, they are going through this too and I guess in these rural households it's generally the parents and the child. Do you have many fathers resonate with this kind of thing as well? Like what does – what does, Sam, what does Sam talk about with his friends? Is it the same kind of issues? Um, oh, I think, I don't know, blokes are a different kettle of fish, really, I think. I always joke and say maybe one day I'll launch Fatherland, um, you know, once I kind of get my get my feet under the desk with what I'm doing now. But, you know, I have some beautiful rural dads who listen to the podcast. I've had a couple that have actually nominated their wives for the podcast, which is amazing and I've had you know one or two that have actually enrolled their wives into Motherland Village oh, I like um, that. because yeah <laughs> as a bit of a, a bit of a surprise little gift and and stuff so you know there's definitely um focus on on relationships in, in our Motherland Village program so every week we talk about something different that's related to motherhood and and looking after ourselves we put the mum at the center of the program it's not about the kids um and you know one of the weeks we actually talk about relationships um relationships with our partners and the unique complexities that come with rural rural relationships so you know it's definitely a bit of a focus for us as well uh you've done very well obviously with the podcast and with the village you are the tasmanian rural agri-futures rural woman of the year what what kind of influence does that have on motherland those kind that kind of recognition I can't actually believe how far I've come personally. I didn't think that I belonged in this world. Like from a rural perspective, I just was struggling to find my feet. I felt like such a square peg in a round hole. And now, 
to be representing Tassie is just so incredible. You know, I, I didn't really, I almost didn't apply for it. It was, it was someone, you know, at AgriFutures who sort of, you know, said, oh, have you thought about it? And I was like, oh, I'm not ready. Motherland's not ready. And, but I didn't realise that I, I, I am ready. It is the time because I need the support. It's not just about the funding, but it's the incredible networking. And, you know, this award is so prestigious. And to be honest, I, when I applied, I didn't really quite understand just how, you know, influential it is. Um, so I'm so excited. And, you know, I'm really pleased to to say that as of a few weeks ago, Motherland is now a registered not-for-profit organisation and a charity. So we've, um, you know, thanks to AgriFutures and and the funding through winning the state award, I've been able to invest in in setting setting up the the foundations for something. Um, so I'm really excited. We've we've got an incredible board of directors that I've just taken on, and our first board meeting um, in a few weeks' time. So it, it's all happening. That is, that's I mean, congratulations. That's a ter- tremendous effort and and results. What do you think? You know, you, you continue to grow, and Motherland is is just getting bigger and bigger. What what about it do you think really resonates with the people that you're interviewing, but also the people who are listening? I mean, I think it's the the vulnerability of motherland and the fact that, you know, when I first started it, I wasn't so forthcoming with my own struggles. I sort of kind of came into it as perfect staff, you know, presenting well and TV staff. And then the community started growing when I started sharing my struggles because that's when I became a real person and a real rural mum and you know I think that's what resonates and you know as far as motherland village it's a simple solution to an incredibly big problem and gap in our maternal health care system and government and hospitals and all these amazing stakeholders as much as they'd love to they are incapable of doing this right now because it requires startup speed it requires chaos messiness investment it's very hard to pull together rural, mother, rural mothers from around the country into a program like this from different states, which involves, you know, collaboration. So I can understand that, you know, it hasn't been a thing yet. Um, no one's either thought of it or can do it. So I'm really excited because, you know, I feel like Motherland is is incredible and I think it's capable of incredible growth, um, you know, and that's going to require some other people to invest and believe in in what we're doing and, and that's already starting to happen. So I think it's just the beginning. I'd love to see Motherland as basically Australia's, you know, leading organisation and, and not-for-profit for rural motherhood that every single rural mum who gives birth in this country knows Motherland, is connected to Motherland and we're not sending mums back to the land without them knowing that there is a community and a mother's group for them if they want. That's my dream. Oh my goodness! Well, what a dream it is. I think, and you know, you, you sound like you've got the, you sound like you've got the energy to be able to take it there. But I know that you know, as as you're quite open with now, that you know, the the day to day does catch up with you. So, how do you maintain your energy levels and your passion for this project when you do have you know so much going on yourself? Yeah, it's hard. It's a work in progress, Jane. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, a couple of months ago, I took on a rural mum, Kate, who is helping me out a couple of hours a week. That's all we've been able to to afford for now. But, you know, this is really beautiful is I actually joined Motherland Village, the pilot program. So I launched a trial group in September last year. And after that trial ended, I was like, oh, God, like I actually would love to join this group because I need a rural mother's group. That's the whole reason I'm on this journey. And I'm not going to be able to join a future one, you know, with paid programs. And, you know, it's a bit awkward to insert yourself into that. It's not very professional. So I was like, you know, now's the time. So I asked the group if I could join after the program ended. And 
they accepted me. And, um, Thank goodness, because then it gets super awkward. <laughs> yeah, well, super awkward if they said no. But yeah, there's um, there's nine of us in our village. Kate is one of them. And um, yeah, a couple of months ago, you know, she just had a third baby, and 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 she was at home on the farm, wanting to kind of sink her teeth into something, a bit of a passion project. And she's like, "Oh, if you ever need any help with motherland, I'd love to help." And I was like, "Actually." Thank yeah. you. I would love you to join me. So she's come on board in a bit of a community manager role and um, she's been incredible and my village has been amazing. I mean, this is a beautiful story and maybe something to to wrap up with is we talk about, you know, virtual mothers groups and online connection, but a lot of these online connections are going physical and that's my dream one day is to get them all physical through events and other things. But one of the mothers groups um, from a program earlier this year, they are coming to Victoria for International Rural Women's Day for that event. They're flying in um, from all over the country to meet each other for the first time and come to this event, which is so special. And, you know, just to top things off is I actually got to meet one of the mums in my group in my village just last week. Um, pretty amazing. She's in Queensland. She got invited to a wedding in uh, Tasmania, an hour and a half from me. She couldn't find a babysitter. It was a pretty remote wedding up in a mountain. And I was like, I'll, I'll come and babysit. So last week I got to meet a mum in my village who I've been friends with since September last year. I got to babysit her two-year-old daughter while her and her husband, who never have time to get off the land, went to this wedding and had the time of their life and came home. And, you know, what a beautiful thing. So, that's where the magic is as well and I'm personally feeling that and I can't wait for more rural mums to feel that. You brought together Motherland out of a need to uh, connect with people and do you feel like that's rung true? Do you feel like that you still need that connection to people or has it moved on from that? No, I still do. You know, I thrive on it. I think I'm just so excited as well with this AgriFutures award is heading to Canberra. I mean, you know, winning the award would be bloody amazing. But the fact that I get to meet some people face to face. So two of my, um, you know, directors on my board are actually going to be there. Um, Several rural mums have messaged me to say, oh, my God, like I listened to your podcast or, you know, or they've been on the podcast and they're like, oh, I'll see you in Canberra. And, you know, so now all these online connections, as I said, you know, are are turning physical as well. But I I thrive on it. I, I mean, Motherland, not just my own village, but Motherland as a whole is my village, is my lifeline is my community I feel like I belong because of motherland and and I hope that you know it's helped other rural mums feel like that as well it certainly has well Steph thank you so much for being so candid today and thank you very much for your time thank you so much Jane just a quick reminder we were listening to Steph Trethewey the Tasmanian finalist in the AgriFutures Rural Women's Award She's one of seven national finalists and online applications for the 2023 AgriFutures Rural Women's Award opens on Wednesday, the 7th of September, 2022. Thanks for listening. I'm Jane Cudahy. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. For full access to a huge backlog of stories on Australia's agricultural trends and innovations, research outcomes, inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries, please subscribe to AgriFutures On Air on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find more information at our website, agrifutures.com.au.